I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, we welcome a man who's done it all for French rugby as a winger, a captain and a coach, Philippe Santandre. Here's the best of our Rugby Tonight insight and analysis from Austin Healy and Martin Bayfield. Nice welcome. It was a long, welcome. long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound surprised that you would receive <laughs> such a welcome. Oh, you won the Six Nations already, so, you know, you don't no, have any good. pressure. This is a man who knows his crowd. He knows his audience. Well done. Um, how are things? How are things for you? How's life for you now? Very well. No stress, no pressure. No. Enjoy, enjoy the weekend. Oh, fantastic. I don't quite believe that you fully enjoyed the weekend. Now, as a winger, that's probably the, the best way to introduce you is to show you Probably the, the fruition of your crafts, of your skills. 1991, Twickenham, Grand Slam game against England. And this, well, the English crowd labelled this the try of the century at Twickenham. Talk us through this. What do you remember of this one? Long, long times, you know. So, so you miss the kick and Berbizier passed the ball to Serge Blanco. Me, I was a young kid, you know. All the backs was 50, 60 caps. Blanco, Sela, Lafont, Canberra Bero. And, you know, it was like... Like we say, a French flair or a French blair. And uh, I was a young kid, and I say, if I drop this ball, I will never come back again to the French team. So I score, and I, I play 69 camps with the French team after. But he was one of great try, but shame, but shame you. Because you beat, you, yeah, you beat us 21-19 with, with yeah. huge and huge forwards. Um, Lawrence, you were, I was there. I was in the yeah. North Stand watching that one. You were there? Yeah, I was 18. Um, I played for England under-19s the, the day before and I uh, was in the West Stand when it was a much smaller stadium, only 40,000, 45,000, and great atmosphere. What, you know, one of the great tries in any rugby match. And, of course, England went on to win the Grand Slam. I was watching it as well in uh, someone's front room, just uh, in Birkenhead, just before I nicked the video. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of social stereotyping. We love that one, Austin. Um, you you mentioned... <laughs> uh, just, just about both. Just yeah, about... I, was, I started yeah. early, no, yeah, not getting into the stealing even then. <laughs> Philippe, you said it in the introduction there when you were, t- we were talking about that try, about the French flair. Um, have we got it right about French rugby? Are we right to be saying, where has the French flair gone? What has happened? Um, because when you compare that, yeah. which is a long time ago, of course, with what we're seeing from the French team now, does your heart weep just a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite tough at the moment, I think. You know, the, the French league is very, very com- competitive, but uh, our young French players don't have too many, too many games. You know? It's very tough to play in Toulon or in Toulouse or in Racing. 
And uh, I think the French team suffered a lot for the last eight, nine years about, about this problem. Yeah. Now, after when you stopped uh, your time as, as, the English, uh, as, the, as the French coach, you've written your book, yeah. um, and, you, and you, you don't mess about. You no. don't mess about with what you say. I, I tell uh, the truth. We've, uh, we've taken, uh, we've had our um, GCSE student go through the book and pick out the, uh, <laughs> pick out the bits because our print isn't particularly good. Um, Did you mention the town hall a lot? You, he mentions the town hall. <laughs> Hotel but, de Ville. The, the first one I want to mention is, is how you felt after France went out at this last World Cup and the defeat to the All Blacks. And you were very, very honest about your emotions and where, where you got things wrong. Uh, first, after, after this game, you know, I was 20 years older because lost by 60 points. So you, you, you are in charge, so you need to, to, to take all the blame, you know, about, about the French rugby. And, uh, you know, when you sign and you accept the, the job, you accept the good things and the bad things. And after, you know, you, you need to, to move on. But, yeah, it was not the, it was not the best time of my, of, of my period. And, you know, after 60 minutes, I think I didn't count anymore the, the try and everything. I say it was... Not a good it, day. It was a, a day. It was a nightmare. But, to be honest, New Zealand was, was yeah. amazing also. And, and, of course, it was a bizarre situation for a French coach because we knew, you knew, everyone knew that you were stepping down at the end of that. They were going to bring yeah. in a new coach, Guy Noves. Yeah. Um, you've been very, very vocal about what you think needs to change in French rugby. And again, one of your comments in here is you, uh, you want to bring back, as you say, uh, l'église au milieu du village, put the church back into the middle of French rugby. What do you mean by that? I mean that the French team is not the priority anymore on the French rugby, you know. We have two problems. Our 30 best players, they start in July with a warm-up game. They play all the years. They finish by a tour in June, so they play 40 games a year. And they have three weeks holidays, no pre-season, and they start again by a warm-up. So this is completely crazy. We are just think about money, we don't think about high level. So the first problem is this. And the second problem is that our young players are quite good, but between 19 and 25, they don't play. Do you know during four years, I picked guys in the French team who was not first choice in the club. So after you ask to the guys when you drop a ball or you miss a kick, but the guys is just the second choice or the third choice in this club. So I think, you know, we need to change. It's a little bit like the, the, the soccer in, in England, you know. It's a great, great championship, a lot of money and everything. But the French team is not the priority. And this summer, Guinoves will go in tour in Argentina without the best French player of the of the team are in semi-final and final. So the French team will go into in Argentina and still it will be semi-final and final in France. The final is in Barcelona. So it's great, the top 14, it's great, you know, but it's very, very difficult and it's very difficult when you're a French coach because you are in charge of nothing. Yeah. You take the guys five days, they come back, five days, they come back. Sometimes they're injuries, so you take some, somebody it's else. Crazy, isn't it? Lawrence, nervous times at the end of that Welsh game. Nervous for the players, nervous for the fans. England pulled through. And yeah. right at the heart of it, a player you think may have been cowed by the situation, only his third cap, Maru Otoji. Prize-winning Maru as the Egg, <laughs> Egg Chasers <laughs> podcast <laughs> one. Excellent work, Egg Chasers podcast. Prize-winning well. Maru. We're going to be pushing that one. Good one. What about this guy? He's the real deal, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is the real deal. Um, you know, deserved man-of-the-match performance. Just to put it into you know, context, only his third cap for England. 
and he's sort of, you know, he's, he's been playing at Saracens. England have, have unearthed a real gem here. You know, a, a genuine world-class player already at such a tender age. And uh, he's got the full deal, you know, he's physically, um, you know, he's got everything he needs to play either in the second row or in the back row. And I think it was the context of the game, the pressure coming into the game on England, you know, with it being against Wales, the quality of players on the pitch. And for him to stand out above anyone uh, on the whole pitch, given the company of players he was keeping, I thought was outstanding. Everything he did in the game, he had a positive impact from the, from the try that, that Anthony Watson scored to, you know, contesting in the line-out, to making tackles. And also, this, this is what England have been missing, or certainly need to, to amplify a little bit. Big men who are ball carriers, who can run at pace. Itoji can do that. Yeah, he's got great technique. I think that's what stands him out, his technical abilities, his skills over the ball and the breakdown, uh, choosing the line, his hands. We saw there his break outside shoulder, just sliding on the tackle, let the tackle push you through to the next tackle. He's a very technically gifted guy. And um, I think the thing that was most impressive for me, there was a bit of a, a scrap early on in the game, and he immediately came in to break it up. And, you know, this is a guy, like Lawrence said, his third cap, and he's coming in, and he doesn't get overawed with the situation, lots of pressure in the game, doesn't come in and start throwing elbows. He just break, takes an England player away, moves him out of the way, leaves the chance of getting a penalty. He takes a bit of a knock in the head. He doesn't react, and he just stands up and calms it all down. Now, that is definite future captain leadership material, and that's what England need. Yeah, and he's going to have to cope with all this pressure, people talking <laughs> about him as being captain, whatever, very early days. Philippe, if you uh, were Eddie Jones looking at the England team ahead of this French game, would you have been worried by the way that Wales were able to come back into that game? I think it would be different, you know, it would be in Stade de France, so it would be a different type of, type of game, but uh, I think England, you know, have a great generation of players, and uh, I'm very impressed also with this young lock, you know, three caps and to be the best player on the pitch. Yeah. But uh, instead in of defence, I think uh, Saturday will be a different atmosphere. Mm -hmm. well, the problem they had was that the defence, uh, sorry, the, the substitutes normally come on and they really up the intensity, they give yeah. an impact, but actually it disrupted the team this time round. Yeah. And for whatever reasons, dropping off tackles, the Falatau try that went through was a drop-off tackle. He ran through two guys. And you don't expect that from that experienced bench. And that's what Eddie Jones will be saying. He'll say, look, guys, you guys have made huge impacts in the previous games. And for whatever reason this happened against France, uh, sorry, against Wales, it can't happen against France. One player came off the bench and there was a roar from the Twickenham crowd. Excitement as yeah. Manu comes on the pitch. We're waiting for him to bust the line and bulldozing runs down the field. It was his defence that was crucial for England this time. Well, there's a lot of talk going into the game. Is he fit enough? You know, has he had enough games under his belt for Leicester? Richard Cockrell was adamant he hadn't. Eddie Jones said, we need him, even if it's for 15 minutes. And as it turned out, he came off the bench and, and made what proved to be a crucial tackle on George North. Uh, I think, you know, it was the right result. I think England were worthy winners. And uh, everyone in Wales is talking about what happened to them in the first half. Well, I think England blew them away. He's a good tackle because he's... The tackle is very, very important because if he don't cover this, yeah. after you know the, the winger have yeah. a and then space we, inside and outside, so it's a, and then we all start weeping. The then it's our turn to weep. Oh my <laughs> goodness me! Can you imagine if Wales had snatched that one? How horrific! Now we had a bit of a visitor to the BT Sports studios uh, earlier today, and he gave his expert opinion on how he thought England got on. I'm sure there are lots of different things on his mind at the moment. But Boris Johnson, wandering around the studios. Don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what we thought. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what he had to say. What do you think of the England result on Saturday? It's terrific. Who you get? 
Any words of advice for the team? I, I, I would. I, I, it would be impertinent of me to comment, but uh, you know, I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll give the French good, uh, good seeing to. <laughs> I just think of an Australian being the one to lead them to their first Six Nations title since 2011. Well, speaking as um, speaking as uh, I think I was honorary Australian of the Year in something or other. <laughs> very much, very pro Aussie. Thank you very much. <laughs> what I love about that is he said, England's win. Excellent news for the UK. Not excellent news really for the UK. For a tiny bit of the UK, it was. Um, but what about the other games? What about Ireland, uh, Lawrence? I mean, we're looking at, at an Irish performance. They've been waiting to happen. Yep. And nine tries. OK, Italy were not great. But even, even so, nine tries is an impressive turn. No, it's a big boost for Ireland. I think it's something they needed that. It was always going to be a difficult championship. Joe Smith had, had uh, you know, said as much with the high-profile retirements. Massive injury list coming into the championship. They've come off second best up to now. But for them to get um, you know, back to the scoring, it's going to be really interesting because Italy were poor. You know, they, had, they have one game every championship where, I don't know, for whatever reason, they go back to some of the old habits. They were poor. Ireland were good. And it sets up the game against Scotland really nicely. I think we'll know a little bit more about Ireland this Ireland team, um, you know, next weekend. Austin, we're seeing some of the new players, CJ Stander, Josh van der Fleer, really gelling, but it was one of the old stages who's attracted a lot of criticism because of sometimes his attitude, sometimes the way he's played. Jamie Heaslip, and he scored, so far, you would say, the try of the tournament. I think there's some good contenders this year, and we haven't got into Super Saturday yet, so uh, I'm looking forward to that final weekend. Yeah, next weekend is going to be absolutely electric. Um, Philippe, what about what did you make of Scotland? Because they have had a miserable time. First win over France in ten years. Ten Only years, the yeah. second time in the history of the Six Nations. What did you make of Scotland? I think Scotland, you know, first they scored three try, fantastic try against us. And what we surprised, it's you know, the scrum in France, it's very important. No scrum, no win. And I think Scotland uh, this weekend was, uh, was amazing. You know, they were better than us. They, it, was, it was rare when you look at the scrum, the hooker of Scotland never hooked the ball. You know, they, it was just push eight and they keep the ball, they keep the ball. And we were a lot of penalised. So yeah. it's tough for France, but uh, I think great for Scotland. You know, they didn't beat us for 10 years. I think also the coach is doing a fantastic job. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's taken him a while, hasn't it, for Vern Cotter to get yeah. his message through. It's coming. And, and uh, Austin, when matches like that, you want your star players to perform. And this was the first game that I can remember where you've seen all the big names really, really clicking together. Top of the pile has to be Stuart Hogg. Yeah, he's a talented, gifted player, isn't he? He's got the ability to break tackles offload. But that was across the team, actually. They've got a lot more offloads through this game. And it doesn't normally stick, or it hasn't done in the last six months for Scotland. They've been very, very close. In this position, someone will knock on, or there'll be a mistake, <clears throat> but not on, the, not on the weekend. And I think Hogg sort of stood out. But I'm more interested to know how does that affect France now? You know, you've been there, and normally if you lose your previous game, it gives you a bit of a build, and you think, right, I've got, I'm embarrassed, I've got to perform better. But sometimes you see with the French, if it doesn't start well in Paris, it actually goes full circle and turns on the head. Is that the case? Yes, but you know, I think uh, for the French team, if they want uh, a successful uh, Six Nations, they need to beat England, you know. So I think it's a lot of criticism about uh, the French player already, you know. I read the press today and uh, I think uh, they will have a tough week and they will, be, they will be ready. But after, you know, England have so much confidence team at the moment. And I, but, you know, in Stade de France, it's all the time a very, very close game, you know, for the last... Uh, 100 years. Yeah. I love that something's never changed. As soon as you or anyone, the Welsh, 
the Irish and Scots start talking about playing England, you start rubbing your hands. <laughs> Just rubbing your hands. This yeah, because will no, be or... a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, the, last, the last four years, we have one bad Six Nations, you know, because, but because we beat England, everybody was happy in France. You know? <laughs> so. Now, as we mentioned, that ghost of the World Cup match against Wales would have hung over Twickenham. And one man has borne the brunt of that game more than any, Chris Robshaw. We wondered how would he respond? What would his future in the game of rugby be? Well, Ali Kim went down to Pennyhill Park to talk to him. For us now, it's about going and trying to achieve a grand slam. You look around and you look at kind of the history of English rugby and only 12 English teams have ever achieved those Grand Slams. So for us, that is a huge, huge motivational factor to hopefully be one of them. Eddie's come in and, and put his own mark on the squad and it's been, been fantastic, along with the other coaches as well. They've, uh, all the players have really bought into what they're about and the way they have done things. Um, and hopefully that reflects in the way we are playing on the pitch. So now that you've got this opportunity, Chris, you cannot let it slip through your fingers. Yeah, very much so. We know what a hard place France is and Paris is to go and play the French. Um, yeah, they've been a bit up, up and down in this tournament so far, but the French at home is always a very tough prospect. Um, so we, we've got to get all our detail right this week. We can't be switching off at all. Um, we know everyone in here is, is all kind of gun ho ready to try and achieve that grand slam. Somebody said to you back in mid-October, don't worry, in a few months' time you'll be having a go at the Grand Slam and you'll be playing some of the best rugby of your life. What would you have said to them? Yeah, you probably would have been a little bit unsure. Um, obviously, with the World Cup, everything was up in the air and not really knowing what to expect after that. Um, so now I'm honoured to be back here. I love playing, playing alongside these guys in the white shirt and it's always an honour. He's definitely not getting carried away with the situation that England are in at the moment. You'll be able to see more of that interview with Chris Robshaw on Rugby Tonight Extra on Thursday, 7 o'clock on BT Sport 1 HD. Lawrence, I mean, this is a guy who has responded in exactly the way that Eddie Jones would have wanted him to respond. And in truth, all of us wanted to see him respond. Yeah, immense credit to Chris Robshaw. You know, he's been uh, one of the standout performers in terms of his consistency. Um, he was probably in a very dark place, um, you know, post-Wales. Because when you're captain, you take you're a coach, you take a lot of criticism and you take it on the chin. And, you know, he was responsible for, for a lot of that and, uh, and he's accepted it. Um, got back to Harlequins. Two, well, two or three things stick out for me. One, he, he no longer has the captaincy. So suddenly the, the expectation possibly to lead the team is not there. That's someone else's. He can just go back Let's push to, to being one of the boys. Uh, and he seems to, you know, react well to that. And secondly, Eddie Jones has just been pumping him full of confidence. It's funny, isn't it? A couple of months ago, he was saying, oh, he's not, he, he don't know why England even pick him. Now he's yeah, his yeah. coach, pumping him full of confidence. And you can see that that's given, you know, Chris Robshaw's reacted really well to that. So, uh, you know, full credit to him. And it would be wonderful. I'm sure he enjoyed that victory over Wales. Well, these are the comments. He's saying, um, so far, the play has to be Chris Robshaw, who's been absolutely outstanding to go from where he was at the end of the World Cup to where he is now is a fine achievement. Yeah. Eddie Jones, I mean, and this is a guy who said, oh, he's just an average club player. We've seen his management at Maruatoji as a young player. We're seeing his management of a senior player. And so far, he's handling it perfectly. Well, I, I just feel that as a coach, he's come in, he's, re he's looked at that England team and he's had to keep some of the experience there. You can't just go into your first Six Nations and, and go there with young kids, you know? Although a lot of people would have said, if you drop him, OK, we're, we're turning over a new leaf. But he's, he's kept, uh, you know, some of these guys like Chris Robshaw and he's repaying him with his faith. And uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, if he can do it against the French uh, the weekend. What a reward it would be for Chris Robshaw and the other players, of course. Yeah. Certainly for Chris Robshaw if they could get that Grand Slam.
Philippe, we've been talking French rugby. Let's talk about English rugby. Uh, welcome to the Ruck and Mall, an English pub. Uh, this is your this is your beer, Saint on Draft. Well, nice. You see what we've done? Very nice. Very Quiero. nice. But we Quiero thought. Lager. Lawrence. Champagne for our French friend, please. <laughs> champagne for our French friends. So while we uh, while we cracking open the champagne, um, let's talk about because you are a big big part of the professional game uh, in English rugby, Gloucester and Sale. Uh, let's start with Gloucester. What was it like for you to arrive there? First of all, as a player, then as the coach. Oh, it was amazing, you know, amazing experience. First to to play in Gloucester, you know, in Kingston, in front of the shed. Why Gloucester? Why Gloucester? Because you know. He, it was so much a spirit of, of rugby, and people love, love rugby. Everybody was expecting that I go in London and everything, but uh, when I've been once to, to Gloucester and I saw the passion of the, of the people, I say he, he must be there, you know? And, and to play in front of, of the shed, it was like playing in front of an international game. So it was amazing, and I start to be, to be a coach here. And uh, also, you know, Phil Vickery was, I play with him, and yeah. after I was his coach, and he's his 40 years today, so I say happy birthday to... Happy birthday to Phil Vickery, to absolutely. Phil Vickery. Now, what about the difference between being the player there and then being the man in charge, the hire of the fire of the man sorting out the game plan? It was... When I started to be in charge of... Uh, I, I did three months player coach, you know, but I wanted the guy so fit and trained so hard, so I said, I must stop very, very quickly because I was not ready to work as hard than I wanted than the player worked, you know, but it was, a, it was a great experience, plus also the first year, you know, we were top of the league half of the season, we finished second of the, of the league, and for Gloucester, and the year before, I think we were eight or nine, and he, but I was lucky, you know, some great, great players, and so great uh, chairman, like, uh, you know, he was a, Tom Walkinshaw was a, was a well, great Well, we can touch Tom Walkinshaw's name, it's Tom Walkinshaw. Um, yeah. Marvellous, marvellous. <laughs> then we, yep. we've got some... Uh, you're not old enough. <laughs> um, you had success at Gloucester, but the big, big success came at Sale Sharks. What was the secret there? Because when you look through the roster, big names, big players, but to make that all come together must have taken quite a lot of work. Yes, but, you know, I, I arrived in, in Sale, you know, and I realised so much talent was... In, in this club, you know, Andrew Sheridan, Scofield, Chris Jones, Titrell, Coeto, uh, Charlie Oxon, Wigglesworth, Ben Foden, I put him fullback and wing, but, and Jason Robinson. So he was so much great player, English player. And they needed a little bit more power, so I bring guys like Chabal, Bruno, and I think the mix of this was fantastic, you know. And I passed five years in, in Manchester or we won the, the title 10 years ago, and it was, I passed, you know, but it's funny because a lot of people say I am more English about coaching side than French, because I coach three years in Gloucester, five years in Sale, three years in Toulon, but it was more English players than French players. Well, so well, do you know, I was asking you about that, because you, cause you said... <laughs> no, it's true, the, the only team yeah. I coach, French, was a French team, you know? They didn't understand you, maybe. They didn't understand you, What about Toulon, then? Because, I mean, what a place that must be, to coach and to be the guy in charge. So what was it like when you, when you pitched up there? Hey, it was, you know, it, it was also a, a great experience. After, it was a big shock for me, because I was in Manchester, 300 <laughs> days of rain. Too long, 300 days of sun, so it was quite a, a big shock about, uh, 
my family. But you know, Toulon, he was a chairman, and we know Murat Bujela, but wanted success very, very quickly. And he wanted that I bring some experience and some structure about the club. Yeah. And he was a, he also, it was an amazing experience to coach uh, Johnny Wilkinson, to coach uh, great players. And, uh, but after, you know, it's, when, you, when you look too long now, it's an amazing team, but he's a world 15, you know? Yeah. It's a world 15. Well, the Pro 12, I'm sure, will be looking at different ways of making sure they develop their league for the Aviva Premiership. Well, they broke new ground at the weekend. They notched up their 35th venue for a professional game as London Irish made the Red Bull Arena in New Jersey their home for the weekend as they took on Saracens. Hats off to everyone who organised that. That was a big old move to take a game out to America. The deal is, is there for another two games over the next two years. Lawrence, for, for London Irish, though, if you mm. strip away the venue... You strip away the, the razzmatazz. That was a must-win mm. Premiership match, and they are deeper in the mire now. Yes, yeah, it's, it's tough for London Irish. Time is running out for them. I don't think anyone's under any illusions there. The, the worry is that when you look at Worcester and Newcastle, there's this structure, there's shape, they're winning games. London Irish aren't even picking up losing bonus points, and I think that's the crucial thing. Um, we were looking at the fixture list before we came on air. I think they play Gloucester next, and, and, then, away. and then Worcester away. And you have to say that uh, it's not impossible yet, but they have to win... I think at least their next two games to uh, to stand a chance of surviving, and it's a it's a great shame because there's wonderful players in that London Irish team, great coaching setup. That, you know, there's a lot of investment coming in, but they need to be in the Premiership. Yeah, and missing out on those bonus points is crucial. Austin, one of the reasons maybe they haven't got an experienced head. They'd hoped that it would be Andy Good. It's actually um, Alex Good who undid them this weekend. And this is a guy not wanted by England. We can't say drop the way they do the squads now. It's not really being well, dropped anymore. He wasn't picked. Well, he wasn't picked. <laughs> not needed. Not needed uh, by England. But this is a guy who just pulled the strings on this game beautifully. He's done it all season. He just makes great decisions. I don't know what more he can do. So he's playing at the absolute peak of his powers. He gives you a different kicking option. I think if England decided not to go with Ford and Farrell, he might be the preferred option at fullback. He gives you a, another 10 in that sort of regard. And let's be honest, Brown isn't playing the best mm. rugby of his career. So Brown will feel the pressure, uh, but he's the sort of player, Brown, that loves pressure and, and, and will perform because of it. And it's good, like you say, we've got two fantastic fullbacks. Philippe, as a national coach, and maybe it is different with France, <laughs> certainly we're getting the feeling that life as a French coach is very, very different from other nations. If you release a player back to his club, would you keep a very interested eye on how he performs and what his mental approach is, whether he sulks or whether he thinks I'm going to prove you wrong? Because at the moment, I'd imagine Eddie Jones is looking at Alex Good thinking he's doing just what I wanted to do. Yeah, of, of, of course, you know, you, you are focused about, about your, your game, about the international game, but the, the guys go back to the club, you have all the time with them, one eyes, and you have also in your staff a lot of people watch the game, you know, and I think uh, you have uh, two fantastic uh, fullbacks because he's a very, very good footballer. And I think this is great when you are a coach, you know, and you have so much uh, uh, good player in the same position. So everybody wants to be better and better. But also the attitude must be, uh, must be something very important. Yeah, Eddie Jones has inherited a good squad of players from Stuart Lancaster. He'll yeah. be thankful for that. Um, now, one of the young guns in the London Irish team who... You say Alex Good is doing everything he can to be picked mm. for England. Alex Lewington is doing everything he can to make sure that London Irish stay in the Premiership. Yeah, he's a bright spark, isn't he, in what has been a pretty dire season for them. But he's very, very strong, good on his feet and a proven finisher. Um, 
be interesting to see what happens. I know he's just signed a new contract. Uh, will he have a break clause in there? Will he stay if they go down? Will he fight to try and bring them back up? And I, I think he is a potential England winger of the future. We've got two good ones at the minute in Watson and Noel and a few other people knocking on the door as well. Rocco Dagoony playing pre pretty well in a side that's not seeing much ball. Um, so it's... Um, you know, another guy for the future and someone you could add to Eddie Jones' yeah, squad. But, you know, I think this is important because uh, 10 years ago, Robin Roop had a new structure in English rugby. But you can see now so much talents you have in a lot of positions. You know, me, I was a French coach for, for four years. And, of course, we say too long grades. They want the Heineken Cup and everything. But when you have a French coach and the best team have just three French players starting in the start yeah, 15... It's very, very difficult, you know, and I think in England, the strength about the backs, winger, center, and everything. In the French rugby, of course, the top 14 is marvelous and people love it, but when you are a French coach and 70% of the wingers are Fijian, <laughs> and I was a former winger, you know, and French Fijian. Yeah, yeah. And, du <laughs> and during four years, I was struggling to find somebody, Johan Uge in one wing, and in the other wing, I didn't find the right person for four years. So I think it's great that you can see that in England you have so much talent and you have so much player with uh, play and play each week because you need yeah. to play. Yeah. To confirm, you need to play. You know? Now, it's busy weekend in the Six Nations, but busy, as we mentioned, in the Aviva Premiership. There's pressure on London Irish. We see how they succumbed to that pressure. There's pressure as well on Bath. They were desperately in need of a win. Austin, Worcester Warriors, we've been talking about it all season. They start brightly. They can't follow it through into the second half. Is the message getting through or is it some very canny signings by Dean Ryan which is allowing them to play this style of rugby? Well, I think the same with Newcastle. Uh, individuals can really change a squad's mentality and their performance. Hugard from Worcester is a world-class player in my book. I've always been an admirer of his as a scrum half. Really quick, really powerful, great at tempo. Andy Goode, again, not necessarily world-class, but I think he's done a, a really good job at Newcastle and no-one can take anything away from him. He, uh, he's come out of the wilderness, uh, come out of working in the city and gone straight in and done a, a, an admirable effort and stint at the, in the 10 shirt and really those two guys have been the difference that has separated them. The league's really interesting now particularly this weekend because I don't th if Gloucester and Sale don't get a win this weekend and the guys above them do that gap will suddenly become really noticeable. The top six will start to break away so yeah. this weekend is a real pivotal weekend. It's interesting isn't it? We're starting to see little, bit, little pockets break away. The top two are breaking away and there's that chase for the third and fourth and almost fifth and sixth as well. Lawrence, Worcester's confidence, and Dean Ryan said that the confidence of Hugo is almost infectious as far as the team is concerned, is allowing other players to play their game. We've seen the potential of Bryce Heem. When you put that into a team that can now play an 80-minute game, it becomes deadly. Well, suddenly they're playing with a bit more freedom. I think that win that they got um, you know, last week has given them confidence and suddenly they can go back to their own ground and, and they can play a bit and they're holding on. I think we've always seen with Worcester that they've been good for 40 minutes, then they'll have a 20-minute spell where suddenly the game is taken away from them. So, uh, you know, I'm pleased and they deserve it. They've got great fans at, uh, at Six Ways. Um, you know, a really good coach who knows what it takes to, to stay in the Premiership and win the Premiership. And, um, you know, they're building. I think they're, they're really talking to Hugard about staying, uh, about re-signing him for next season. And they're building something there. It's going to take time, but they're, they're building. We're seeing this, aren't we, also with some teams? They, they sign a player just to, as a quick fix and think, oh, hang on, we want to keep on to this one. <laughs> Charles Piatau is one 
a perfect example of that at Wasps. They're probably going to have to say goodbye to him. Curtly Beal comes in. When he does arrive, he's coming into a team which really has found its legs as far as attacking rugby is concerned. Absolutely. I know if I had the choice who I'd pick between the two, I think Piertau is absolutely brilliant. He's got everything. He's a powerful runner, great footwork. That is a very experienced, very talented and gifted player. And I think he's at the minute, along with his brother, are the difference in the midfield. Those two guys working in tandem have given Wasps another dimension mm. and another area of threat. You swap those over with the Leicester centres on the day. I thought Matt Smith played OK. Beetham's good on the outside, but you swap them. I think Leicester probably go on to win that game. I think Wasp are a very dangerous side to play at this stage of the season. Di Young has really done a great job with that side. They're very strong in the set-piece, scrum and line-out. Brad Davis has really worked on their defence. And when you look at their attacking game, they've just got threats from all over the park. The Piertau brothers, Nathan Hughes, Ashley Johnson... They'll be a difficult side to play if they keep playing as well as they are. But Leicester showed, given the opportunity, they yep. can attack as well. Yep. They didn't make life easy for Wasps. It wasn't a cakewalk for them. No, I mean, the interception try helped. I think the Beetham try, the pass from Wade helped. Uh, I think Leicester went there with a game plan to play a territorial game, to push Wasps back and to try and play like Saracens and Exeter did against them at the Rico when they beat them. Uh, they tried to force the Wasps into errors, but... You've got a real dichotomy there when you go and you're trying to play that game because Wasps are the masters of the turnover. And what you don't want to do is give them too much possession in broken play. So it's about holding on to possession whilst holding on to territory. Not an easy thing to do. We've seen Exeter do it very well with the driving mall game. And that is one area that most sides for the rest of the season will look to attack Wasps in. OK, so we've got, uh, we've got a lot of rugby coming up this weekend as well. We've got Six Nations sandwiched between two days of Aviva Premiership action. Friday night, we are down at the wreck. It is getting serious for Bath. They desperately need a win. They take on the Newcastle Falcons. The Falcons will fancy their chances. That is down at the wreck, 7 o'clock. And then join us on Sunday for Exeter against Northampton from Sandy Park. That is from midday. And then after that, another big, big game. Leicester Tigers taking on Saracens from Welford Road. All of those games so, so significant. So, guys, let's look ahead, Philip. Let's look ahead at uh, the final weekend of the Six Nations and the big game, depending which country you support, you may yeah, feel it's not crunch. the big game, but the Grand Slam game, Look Crunch. How many times are we going to read that in newspapers on the way, along with the other great cliche, which French team will turn up? Um, so... Which Tavench team will turn up for, <laughs> for Le Crunch? <laughs> oh, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward for, for this game. You know, the French team are, are young, but uh, I think they, they will front up. And for me, you know, I think um, England 19, France 20. OK, all right. And Lawrence, uh, 20. If, if, if ever there was, 20. Uh, yeah. no, was a player who knows that Grand Slams are difficult yeah. to get hold of. It is you, and that period with England when they just seemed to... It was impossible yeah. to close well, it out. Particularly away from home. Yeah. I think when you have your last game in the Championship away from home, Paris is a very different environment for any of these players. It, it will be a tough match to win, and you have to feel with the performance of the French team, the criticism they will have received, it's a very tough week. We've all been there in before when we've lost games. There will be a reaction from the French team. You know, they're a proud nation, and they know that if they beat England, it doesn't matter what's happened before, yeah. they, can, they can recover 
some of their pride. So they will produce a better performance. But I don't believe that better performance will be good enough to beat this England team. I think the confidence that they've gained yeah. from the Championship so far strangely, will be good enough. Strangely, when you play Italy, you go in and you think, as England, let's play with a really high tempo and really drag the energy out of them. That's exactly what I think you've got to do with France. I think the Duncan Taylor try was a prime example of that for Scotland. Lots of uh, quick ball. When you get a penalty, tap and go, particularly because this French pack, they're slow to get to their feet. They often find themselves behind the ball. And if you can do that and up the tempo, uh, maybe Danny Kerr could start at nine if they wanted to look at up in the tempo. But Ben Youngs was fantastic at the weekend. So I don't think they'll make many changes, England. But I would go there with an intensity that France can't live with. They can live with the power. They can stand up and bash you all day long and take the physicality. What they can't live with is the pace because they have got no pace in that team. And what about an England team uh, with 20 minutes to go? As we saw in the game against Wales, the game turns against them, the pressure comes on. How do England respond to that? Well, I think, um, you know, that, that what happened in the last 20 minutes against Wales will be a warning sign for that England team. They know that, uh, that they can't afford to uh, have a man put in the sim bin. They can't afford to take the foot off the gas. They have to switch on for the whole 80 minutes. And that's why the Six Nations is such a true test, because, you know, if you, if you don't turn up and you're just short of it on one particular game, but, I mean, surely this England team, what an opportunity they've got to go from going out in the World Cup three months ago to being Grand Slam yeah. champions. It's a great opportunity. and You don't get them very often in your career. Yeah. You have to take them. And the other opportunity uh, for Ireland and Scotland, both teams bouncing back. Um, Scotland probably now will feel, Austin, they've had a pretty decent Six Nations. Ireland will certainly feel it has been below par. But both teams coming in in a bit of form. Where do you see this one going? I think it could go either way. I think, as we said, sometimes when you win easily, it builds you quite well into the next game. I think it'll be quite an open game. I think both sides will play rugby. They've got nothing to lose. If I'm going to... I think Ireland will win. But uh, I think we're seeing Scotland on the up and Ireland readjusting. Wales, Italy, I'll find one very quickly. Yeah, I think, I think uh, Wales will be too strong. They'll want to bounce back. Gatlin may well just be... Uh, think about one or two changes just to freshen things up. But I would expect Wales to be comfortable winners. Okay, great. So, um, what do you, how do you see? So, you, you've gone 19-20. You think France are going to win? Ireland, Ireland to win? Scotland to win? I think Ireland will, Ireland will win, but it will, be, it will be a very open game against Wales Scotland and Wales. But uh, after, you know, in England, you, the guys, they won the, the Six Nations already, and they can do something huge because the last Grand Slam was 2003. Yeah. Philippe, fantastic stuff. Great stuff. Thank Philippe, you. you have been a magnificent guest. Give him a huge, huge round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, if you want to join us here in the audience, get in touch. Audience at rugbytonight.com. Thanks ever so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back again soon for more rugby insight and analysis. See you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.